0: Chapter 29 of Virgin Soil, Volume 2, by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The next day, early in the morning, Nishtanov again knocked at Mariana's door. It's I, he said in answer to her, who's there? Can you come out to me? Wait a minute. Directly. She came out and uttered a cry of astonishment. For the first minute she did not recognize him. He had on a long, full-skirted coat of threadbare yellowish nankin with tiny buttons and a high waist. He had combed his hair in the Russian style with a straight parting in the middle. His neck was wrapped in a blue kerchief. In his hand he held a cap with a broken peak. On his feet were unpolished high boots of calf leather. "'Good gracious!' cried Marianna, "'How horrid you look!' and thereupon she gave him a rapid embrace and a still more rapid kiss. "'But why are you dressed like that? You look like a poor sort of shopkeeper, or a pedlar, or a discharged house serf. Why that coat with skirts and not simply a peasant's smock?' "'That's just it,' began Neshtanov, who in his get-up did really resemble a peddler, and he was conscious of this himself, and was full of vexation and embarrassment at heart.' He was so much embarrassed that he kept striking himself on the breast with the outspread fingers of both hands, as though he were brushing himself. In a smock I should have been recognised at once, so Pavel declared, and this costume, in his words, looked as though I'd never had any other dress cut for me in my life. Not very flattering to my vanity, I may remark in parenthesis. Do you really mean to go out at once, to begin? Mariana inquired with keen interest. "'Yes, I shall try, though, in reality—' "'Happy fellow,' interrupted Marianna. "'This Pavel is really a wonderful man,' Neshtanov went on. "'He knows everything. Directly he sets eyes on you. "'And then all of a sudden he purses up his face as though he were outside at all "'and wouldn't meddle in anything. "'He serves the cause himself and makes fun of it all the while. "'He brought me the pamphlets from Markelov. "'He knows him and speaks of him as Sergei Mialovich.' but for Solomin he'd go through fire and water. And so would Tatyana, observed Mariana. Why is it people are so diverted to him? Nishtanov did not answer. What sort of pamphlets did Pavel bring you, asked Mariana. Oh, the usual things, the tale of four brothers, and others too, the ordinary well-known things, however those are the best. Mariana looked round anxiously. But what of Tatiana? She promised to come so early. Here she is, said Tatiana, coming into the room with a small bundle in her hand. She was standing at the door and had heard Mariana's exclamation. You need not be in a hurry. It's not such a treat as all that. Mariana fairly flew to meet her. You have brought it. Tatiana patted the bundle. Everything's here, fully prepared. You've only got to put the things on and go out in your finery for folks to admire you. Ah, come along, come along, Tatiana Osipovna, dear. Mariana drew her into her room. Left alone, Neshtanov paced twice up and down with a peculiar stealthy gait. He imagined for some reason that that was just how small shopkeepers walked. He sniffed cautiously at his own sleeve and the lining of his cap and frowned he looked at himself in a little looking-glass hanging on the wall near the window and shook his head he certainly looked very unattractive all the better though he thought then he took up a few pamphlets stuffed them in his skirt pocket and murmured a few words to himself in the accent of a small shopkeeper i fancy that's like it he thought again but after all what need of acting my get-up will answer for me and at that point neshdanov recollected a german convict who had had to run away right across Russia, and he spoke Russian badly, too. But thanks to a merchant's cap edged with cat's skin, which he had bought in a provincial town, he was taken everywhere for a merchant and had successfully made his way over the frontier. At that instant, Solomon came in. ''Aha, brother Alexei,'' he cried, ''you're studying your part. Excuse me, brother. In that disguise, one can't address you respectfully.'' ''Oh, please do.'' i'd meant to ask you to call me so only it's awfully early yet but there i suppose you want to get used to it well then all right but you'll have to wait a bit the master's not gone yet he's asleep i'll go out later on answered neshtanov i'm going to walk about the neighborhood till i get instructions of some sort that's right only i tell you what brother alexey may i call you alexey then alexey if you like said neshtanov smiling no we mustn't overdo it listen good counsel is better than money as they say i see you have pamphlets there you can give them to whom you please only not in the factory why not because in the first place it would be risky for you secondly i have pledged myself to the owner that there shall be nothing of the sort going on after all the factory's his you know and thirdly we have something started there schools and so on and well you might ruin all that act as you please as best you may i will not hinder you but don't touch my factory hands caution never comes amiss eh neshtanov remarked with a malignant half smile Solomon smiled his own broad smile just so brother alexey it never comes amiss but who is this i see where are we these last exclamations referred to Mariana, who appeared in the doorway of her room in a sprigged chintz gown that had seen many washings, with a yellow kerchief on her shoulders and a red one on her head. Tatiana was peeping out from behind her back, in simple and kindly admiration of her. Mariana looked both fresher and younger in her simple costume. It suited her far better than the long, full-skirted coat suited Neshtanov. Vasily Fedotich, please don't laugh, Mariana entreated, and she flushed the colour of a poppy. What a pretty pair, Tatiana was exclaiming, meanwhile clapping her hands. Only you, my dear laddie, don't be angry. You're nice, very nice. But beside my little lass here, you cut no figure at all. And really, she's exquisite, thought Nishtanov. Oh, how I love her. And looky, went on Tatyana, she's changed rings with me. She's given me her gold one and taken my silver one. Girls of the people don't wear gold rings, said Marianna. Tatiana sighed i'll take care of it for you dearie never fear well sit down sit down both of you began Solomon, who had been all the time watching mariana with his head a little bent in old days you remember folks always used to sit down together for a bit when they were setting off on their road and you've both a long hard road before you mariana still rosy red sat down eshtanov too sat down Solomon sat down and last of all tatyana too sat down on a thick log of wood standing on end solomon looked at all of them in turn step back a bit and look at it how nicely here we all do sit he said slightly screwing up his eyes and all of a sudden he burst out laughing but so nicely that far from feeling offended they were all delighted but Neshtanov suddenly got up i'm off he said this minute though this is all very delightful only a trifle like a farce with dressing up in it don't be uneasy he turned to Solomon. i won't touch your factory hands i will do a little talking about the suburbs and come back and i'll tell you all my adventures mariana if only there's anything to tell give me your hand for good luck a cup of tea would be as well first observed tatiana no tea drinking indeed if i want anything i'll go to a tavern or simply a gin shop tatiana shook her head Those taverns swarm along our high roads nowadays like fleas in a sheepskin. The villages are all so big. Why, Balmasovo? Goodbye till we meet. May I leave good luck with you, Neshtanov added, correcting himself and entering into his part as a small shopkeeper. But before he had reached the door, Pavel poked his head in from the corridor under his very nose, and handing him a long thin staff, peeled with a strip of bark running round it like a screw, he said, Please take it, Alexei Dmitritch. Lean on it as you walk. And the further you hold the stick away from you, the better effect it will have. Neshtanov took the staff without speaking and went off. Pavel followed him. Tatiana was about to go away too. Mariana got up and stopped her. Wait a little, Tatiana Osipovna. I want you. But I'll be back in a minute with the samovar. Your comrade went off without any tea. He was in such a desperate hurry but why should you deny yourself? Later on things will be clearer. Tatiana went out. Solomon too rose. Mariana was standing with her back to him, and when she did at last turn round to him, seeing that for a very long time he had not uttered a single word, she caught in his face, in his eyes which were fastened upon her, an expression she had never seen in him before, an expression of inquiry, of anxiety, almost of curiosity. She was disconcerted and blushed again and Solomon seemed ashamed of what she had caught sight of in his face, and he began talking louder than usual. "'Well, well, Marianna, here you've made a beginning.' "'A fine beginning, Vassily Fedotych. "'How can one call it a beginning? "'I feel somehow very stupid all of a sudden. "'Alexei was right. "'We are really acting a sort of farce.' Solomon sat down again on his chair. "'But, Marianna, let me say, "'how did you picture it to yourself, the beginning?' "'It's not a matter of building barricades with a flag over them "'and shouting hurrah for the Republic. "'And that's not a woman's work either. "'But you now today will start training some Lucaria in something good, "'and it'll be a hard task for you, "'as Lucaria won't be over quick of understanding, "'and she'll be shy of you, "'and will fancy too that what you're trying to teach her "'won't be of the least use to her. "'And in a fortnight or three weeks "'you'll be struggling with some other Lucaria, "'and meanwhile you'll be washing a child or teaching him his ABC.' or giving medicine to a sick man. That will be your beginning. But the Sisters of Mercy do all that, you know, Vasily Fedotich. What need, then, of all this? Mariana pointed to herself and round about her with a vague gesture. I dreamt of something else. You wanted to sacrifice yourself. Mariana's eyes glistened. Yes. Yes. Yes! And Nestanov? Mariana shrugged her shoulders. What of Nestanov? We will go forward together, or I will go alone. Solomon looked intently at Mariana. Do you know what, Mariana? You will excuse the unpleasantness of the expression. But to my idea, combing the mangy head of a dirty urchin is a sacrifice, and a great sacrifice, of which not many people are capable. But I would not refuse to do that, Vasily Fedoditch. I know you wouldn't. Yes, you are capable of that. And that's what you will be doing for a time. "'and afterwards, maybe, something else, too. "'But to do that I must learn from Tatiana. "'By all means, get her to show you. "'You will scour pots and pluck chickens, "'and so, who knows, maybe you will save your country.' "'You are laughing at me, Vasily Fedotitch. Solomon shook his head slowly. "'Oh, my sweet Mariana, believe me, I am not laughing at you, "'and my words are the simple truth. You now, all of you, Russian women, are more capable and loftier too than we men. Mariana raised her downcast eyes. I should like to justify your expectations, Solomin. And then? I'm ready to die. Solomon got up. No, live. Live! That's the great thing. By the way, don't you want to find out what is taking place in your home right now as regards your flight? Won't they take steps of some sort? We need only drop a word to Pavel. He'll reconnoiter in no time. Mariana was surprised. What an extraordinary man he is. Yes, he's rather a wonderful fellow. For instance, when you want to celebrate your marriage with Alexei, he'll arrange that too with Zossim. You remember I told you there was a priest. But I suppose there's no need of him for a while. No? No. No, then. Solomon went up to the door that separated the two rooms, Neshtanov's and Mariana's, and bent down over the lock. "'What are you looking at there?' asked Mariana. "'Does it lock?' "'Yes,' whispered Mariana. Solomon turned to her. She did not raise her eyes. "'Then there's no need to find out what a Sipyagin's intentions,' he observed cheerfully. "'No need, eh?' Solomon was about to go away. Vasily Fedotich, what is it? Tell me, please. Why is it you, who are always so silent, are so talkative with me? You don't know how much it pleases me. Why is it? Solomon took both her little soft hands in his big rough ones. Why? Well, it must be because I like you so much. Goodbye. He went out. Mariana stood a little, looked after him, thought a little, and went off to Tatiana, who had not yet brought in the samovar, and with whom she did, it is true, drink tea, but she also scoured pots and plucked chickens, and even combed out the tangled mane of a small boy. About dinner-time she returned to her little apartments. She had not long to wait for Neshtanov. He returned, weary and covered with dust, and almost fell on the sofa. She at once sat down beside him. Well, well, tell me. You remember those two lines, he answered in a weak voice. It would all have been so comic if it had not been so sad. Do you remember? Of course I do. Well, those lines apply precisely to my first expedition. But no, there was positively more of the comic in it. In the first place, I'm convinced that nothing's easier than to play a part. No one dreamt of suspecting me. But there was one thing I had not thought of. One wants to make up some sort of story beforehand. They keep asking one, where you're from and what you're doing, and you have nothing ready. However, even that's hardly necessary. One's only to propose a dram of vodka at the gin shop and lie away as one pleases. And you? Did tell lies? Asked Mariana. I lied, the best I could. The second point is, all, absolutely all the people I talked to were discontented and no one even cares to know how to remedy this discontent. But at propaganda I seem to be a very poor hand. Two pamphlets I simply left secretly in a room, one I thrust into a cart. What'll come of them the Lord only knows. I offered pamphlets to four men. One asked was it a religious book and did not take it. Another said he could not read and took it for his children as there was a woodcut on the cover. A third began by agreeing with me. To be sure to be sure, then all of a sudden fell to swearing at me in the most unexpected way, and he too did not take one. The fourth at last took one, and thanked me very much for it, but I fancy he couldn't make head or tail of what I said to him. Besides that, a dog bit my leg. A peasant woman brandished a fire shovel at me from the door of her hut, shouting, Oh, you beast! You Moscow loafers! Will nothing drown you? And a soldier on furlough, too, kept shouting after me, "'Wait a minute, we'll put a bullet through you, my friend.' And he'd got drunk on my money. "'Anything more? Anything more? I've rubbed a blister on my heel, one of my boots is awfully big, and now I'm hungry and my head's splitting from the vodka.' "'Have you drunk much, then?' "'No, not much, only to set the example, but I've been in five gin shops. But I can't stand that filth, vodka, a bit. And how our peasant can drink it passes my understanding.' If one must drink vodka to be simplified, I'd rather be excused. And so no one suspected you? No one. An innkeeper, a stout pale man with whitish eyes, was the only person who looked at me suspiciously. I heard him tell his wife to keep an eye on that red-haired chap with the squint. I never knew till then that I squinted. He's a sharper. Do you see how ponderously he drinks? What ponderously means in that context, I didn't understand.' but it could hardly be a compliment something after the style of gogol's moviton in the revising inspector do you remember perhaps because i tried to pour my vodka under the table on the sly oh it's hard it's hard for an aesthetic creature to be brought into contact with real life better luck next time mariana consoled neshtanov but i'm glad that you look at your first attempt from a humorous point of view you weren't bored really no i wasn't bored In fact, I was amused. But I know for a certainty I shall begin to think over it now, and I shall feel so sick and so sad. No, no. I won't let you think. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing. Dinner will be brought us in directly. By the way, I must tell you I've scoured out most thoroughly the pot Tatyano's cooked the soup in. And I shall tell you everything over every spoonful. And so she did. Neshtanov listened to her chat and looked and looked at her so that several times she stopped to let him tell her why he was looking at her like that. But he was silent. After dinner she offered to read aloud to him some of Spielhagen. But before she had finished the first page he got up impulsively and going up to her fell at her feet. She stood up. He flung both his arms round her knees and began to utter passionate words, disconnected and despairing words. He would like to die. He knew he would soon die. She did not stir, did not resist. She calmly submitted to his abrupt embrace, calmly, even caressingly looked down at him. She laid both hands on his head, that was shaking convulsively in the folds of her dress. But her very calmness had a more powerful effect on him than if she had repulsed him. He got up, murmured, Forgive me, Mariana, for what has passed today and yesterday. Tell me again that you are ready to wait till I am worthy of your love, and forgive me. I have given you my word, and I can't change. Thank you. Goodbye. Nishtanov went out. Mariana locked herself in her room. End of chapter 29